לקוטי שיחה ישחלק תזבוב פרשס חיי סורה, שיחה א', We are learning the Sikha Le'ilu Nishmas Rabbi Yosef Ben Yaman Ben Rabbi Menashe Kultman. It has been often discussed that the name of a parsha reflects its content, and so it is in this week's parsha, Chayisara, the name reflecting and alluding to the entire content of the parsha, which is rather surprising. The entire parsha speaks not of the events that took place in Sarah's lifetime, but rather of events that transpired after her passing. Not only did these events occur after her passing, but they're also contrary to the theme of Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah, in significance. Looking at the Parsha, we see that the first portion of Parsha's Chaye Sarah is about Avraham purchasing a burial plot, the Ma'aras HaMachpelah, to bury Sarah. The second portion of the Parsha is about the marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka, which concludes with a thought and the verse that tells us that Yitzchak's marriage to Rivka brought comfort after the passing of his mother. And it continues in this vein. The third portion is about Avraham marrying again and marrying the concubine Hagar, now Keturah, and concluding with a review of the progeny of Yishmol, the son of Avraham and Hagar, who Sarah specifically ejected from her home. All of this certainly in direct contradiction to Chaye Sarah. So where is the content of the Parsha that's reflected in and represented by the name of the Parsha, Chaye Sarah? An explanation for this can be found in a commentary on the Gemara in Tainus, Perakei, that states, Yaakov, our father, did not die. Yaakov avinu loimes. Ending with the words, Mazarei b'chayim afu b'chayim. Just as his progeny live, so he lives. Real life is eternal life. And that eternal life is feasible only for one who cleaves to God, who is the actual source of life and eternality. As the verse tells us, you who cleave to God live, all of you, on this day. So eternity is discerned in the continuance of a life ever after, after the soul leaves a body, when even later on one's progeny live a life equal to the life of Yaakov. This is what Chaye or Sarah is understood to mean. The life of Sarah is revealed when the years of her life in this world continue to impact, when her holiness and her goodness have continuance. It is then that her 127 years are Chaye Sarah, or a true 127 years of a life of Sarah. Accordingly, we understand the portion in the Parsha that speaks of Yitzchak's marriage to Rivka as appropriate to Chaye Sarah, because Yitzchak, Sarah's son, conducted himself, as did Rivka his wife, in accordance with Sarah's life. In Perakhav Dalit, in chapter 24, in verse 67, we read just that. Eliezer brings Rivka to Yitzchak. And Yitzchak brings her to what was his mother's tent. 
And the Pasuk says, Yitzchak brought Rivka to the tent of Sarah, his mother. She became his wife, and he loved her, and he was comforted for the loss of his mother. Those things that were uniquely in Sarah's agency, a candle that burned from Erev Shabbos to Erev Shabbos, the blessing in her dough from which she took challah, and the cloud that hovered above her tent, entered into the agency of Rivka and continued, and Sarah's life became distinguished as an eternal life. While this explains how Yitzchak and Rivka's marriage fits into a parsha called Chayi Sarah, it doesn't explain the other events in the parsha. Most of the parsha doesn't actually talk about the marriage itself. The parsha tells us about the details of Eliezer's shlichus, meeting Rivka, his conversation with Besuel, convincing her family to agree to the match. So how does this all fit into the idea of the eternality of Sarah's life and the understanding that the name of a Parsha is seen in the events of the Parsha? We can address this by looking at the first portion of this week's Parsha, where the Torah at length describes the negotiation between Avraham and Ephraim over the purchase of the Mu'aras HaMachpela. And that negotiation needs clarification. Avram opens this, this negotiation with Ephron saying, Ger I'm a stranger and an inhabitant here. Rashi explains this, quoting the Medrash and Bracious Rabbah, as, if you are willing to sell me the cave of Machpelah, I am a stranger and I will purchase it. But if not, then I'm an inhabitant, I'm a local, because Hashem blessed me with this land to be given to my offspring, and I'll take it legally by right. If Avraham was actually able to claim the Ma'aras HaMachpela legally, why did he enter into a financial negotiation to purchase it? And for full price, because of Mole, as the Pasuk tells us. And why introduce himself as a ger, as a foreigner? Then again, how could Avram legally take a property when it didn't yet belong to him? Hashem's promise was for the future, to give this land lizar acha, to Avram's progeny. Now this is all regarding the beginning of the Parsha. But at the end of the Parsha, there are also some difficulties, seemingly not specifically in regards to the name of the Parsha Chayesara, but in terms of the way Torah presents Yishmael's tshuva, his repentance. In Perak Chavdalet, in chapter 24, in verse 8, we learn of Avram's passing. The Pasuk tells us that Avram died b'seva toiva, in good old age. In Pasuk Tes, we read of Avram's burial by Yitzchak and Yishmael, his sons, in the Ma'aras HaMachpela, Rashi tells us, based on the Medrash Rabbah, that it's clear from here, and the wording of the verse which puts Yitzchak's name first, that Yishmael did tshuva, and the reference to Avraham dying b'seva toiva in good old age is a reference to this fact. Why does the Torah only allude to Yishmael's tshuva in the verse that speaks about Avraham's burial, 
after Avram's passing, when Yishmael must have done tshuva in Avram's lifetime for Avram to have died, Peseva Teva, as Rashi explains it, satisfied because Yishmael did tshuva. For this to be clear, we need to first understand the difference between Avraham and Sarah in regards to their progeny. Avraham fathered Yitzchak and Yishmael, or Yishmael and Yitzchak. In fact, the Gemara in Sanhedrin teaches us that when Hashem told Avraham to take his only son, the one that you love, Avraham said to Hashem, I love both of them. And Yishmael made Avraham a father, and that's big. Avram was thus not only the father of Am Yisrael, but other nations too emerged from Avram's progeny. Here Hashem says to Avram, Of Hamon Goyim Nisaticha, I've made you the father of many nations. On the other hand, Sarah was a mother only to Yitzchak, and her connection is only to Am Yisrael. Similarly, there's a difference between Avram's mission and task and Sarah's. Avram made Hashem known to all peoples, even to Arabs who were idol worshippers, who bowed to the dust on their feet. Avram made no calculations about those to whom he brought divine consciousness. Not even after they parted from him, they would continue to be influenced by what he had shown them. On the other hand, Sarah's influence from the birth of Yitzchak onward, was focused only on the holy. This difference in the Aved of Avraham and Sarah, Avraham's influence also to those outside of Judaism, and Sarah's only to the side of holiness, is alluded to in a story related in the Gemara, Baba Basra, about Rabbana. Rabbana was once marking, the Gemara tells us, the burial graves, for purposes of keeping the graves pure. When he arrived at the cave of Machpelah, he encountered, the Gemara tells us, Eliezer, the servant of Avraham, standing before the entrance. Rabbana said to Eliezer, What is Avraham doing at this moment? And Eliezer answered, He is lying in Sarah's arms, and she is grooming his head to remove nits or flies that may have settled there. Chassidus explains this Gemara to mean that Avraham was open to extraneous influences or to influencing extraneous energies, while Sarah was not. Sarah's Aveda impacted the position that she took with Yishmael, Avraham's son, regarding whom Sarah said, send this maidservant and her son away, because the son of this maidservant will not inherit together with my son Yitzchak. This was her position, even though the Torah tells us, This disturbed Avraham terribly, because Avraham brought godliness to all people. Sending his son away, as Sarah was demanding of him, disturbed him. This was a son, after all, who when Hashem told Avraham that Sarah would bear a son and become a mother of nations and king of nations would come from her, Hashem's covenant would be with Yitzchak, Avraham asked if only Yishmol could be the son to receive this. Lu Yishmol! Sarah saw no comparable value in Yishmol to Yitzchak, 
who was holy and pure. And therefore she knew that he must be sent away so that the influence Yitzchak would receive from Avram would be complete and pure. These three events in Chaye Sarah, the purchase and negotiation of the Ma'aras Machpelah, the Shidduch of Yitzchak and Rivka, and the conclusion of the Parsha, the passing of Avraham, and the question of when Yishmael's tshuva is mentioned are all indicated in this point and all inculcated in this point, the unique and particular Aveda of Sarah. How? The Ma'ar Samachpela was the burial place of Adam and Chava, from all whom all humankind descended, which means that this wasn't a place that had meaning only for Jews. Yet in order to bury Sarah there, Avram exerted effort to purchase it out of the hands of Ephraim. After becoming Sarah's burial place, it also became the burial place of all three Avais and Imahais, and it belongs just to the Jewish nation. This highlights that the essence of creation of Adam and Eve is in fact the Jewish people, incomparable as a nation to other nations of the world. And then, depicting an ascending level of a Jew's holiness, the Parsha relates the events and the mission of Eliezer, the servant of Avraham, he who took direct hashpa'ah from Avraham. Eliezer was a loyal servant who shared what Avraham taught him to others about Hashem and divine consciousness. There were many miracles that Eliezer experienced in his quest to find a wife for Yitzchak. And the Torah twice relates these events, teaching us that that the speech of Eliezer, the servant, who received his hashba directly from Avraham, is more beautiful to God than the Torah learning of the sons. And yet... Avram could not marry Yitzchak off to Eliezer's daughter. For Yitzchak the Jew is blessed and Eliezer cursed. And Ein Arur Medabek Beboruch, what is cursed, cannot adhere and connect and cleave to what is blessed. Eliezer had wondrous qualities. And an Evan Avraham in a complete way. But he remained not just lower than Yitzchak, but cursed in comparison to Yitzchak, who was blessed. This theme of the holiness and greatness of a Jew over the lowliness or insignificance of a non-Jew strengthens in the conclusion of the Parsha with mention of Avraham remarrying Keturah and the children she bore him. Then the, there the verse in chapter 25, Parachafet, tells us, Vayitain Avraham es kol asher loy li Yitzchak. Avraham gave his entire inheritance to Yitzchak. He gave gifts to his children, the sons of the concubines, and sent them away from Yitzchak, all the while he was yet alive. So too regarding the sons of Yishmol, though they were the progeny of Avraham, 
told us Yishmol ben Avram. Nevertheless, the Torah immediately adds the words that would seem to be excess, and Torah has no excess words. So these words, which Hagar the Egyptian bore, Hagar the Egyptian, the maidservant of Sarah, bore him. In other words, the entire existence of Yishmol and all his progeny until the end of generations are progeny born to a maidservant of Sarah. And so it remains with no commonality and no connection to Yitzhak ben Sarah. Accordingly, mention of Yishmol's repentance is made only in connection to burying Avraham, and it's mentioned with the words, Shahoyliches Yitzchak Lefanov, Yishmol let Yitzchak go before him. This remedied the main sin of Yishmol, who caused his own banishment from the house of Avraham by asserting that he was the firstborn and rightful heir, deserving of a double inheritance, inheritance as firstborn. The truth that he was merely the son of a servant girl who does not inherit, and the true heir was Yitzchak, went unrecognized by Yishmol. Indeed, exactly this is what Sarah meant when she spoke and said to Avraham, send away the maidservant and her son, for that son of this maidservant will not inherit, inherit with my son Yitzchak. And so when Avraham passed, and it was practically obvious who the true heir was, Yishmol's tshuva is finally mentioned in Torah. And the way it is mentioned is specifically when it is clear that he no longer considers himself an heir when Avram has passed. And when he shows that he is aware of this at the Kvura, putting Yitzchak before himself. Having examined these three events in relation to Sarah's Aveda, it's clear that Sarah's life work, Chaye Sarah, what is truly life, that which lives on, was that she brought out the distinction of the incomparable existence of a Jew, Yitzchak, to the non-Jew, Yishmuel. There is a deeper explanation yet, and that is that as the reality of heaven and earth and all that exists in the heavens and on the earth, including the nations of the world, is for the nation of Israel. Their entire purpose of existence is for the Jew, which means then that if what God created does not fulfill its purpose, if the non-Jew does not fulfill his purpose, the reason for his existence disappears, which explains the essence of the seven Noahide laws. The Sheva Mitzvahs Bnei Noyach are about sustaining morality and continuance in the world, Yishuv Ha'elam, so that the Jew can fulfill his purpose in the world, the fulfillment of Torah and mitzvahs, thereby drawing godliness into the world. If a non-Jew violates one of the seven mitzvahs, no matter which, he is in fact deserving of death. His existence becomes completely null and void. The incomparable distinction between a non-Jew and a Jew, to the extent of which a non-Jew's existence becomes nullified if he does not fulfill his purpose, is actually obvious in Avram's words and actions in Parshas Chayesara, in all these three events that we have discussed.
In the first event, when Avram negotiates for the Ma'aras HaMachpela, so that it is transferred over to Jewish hands, and is as, as it is meant to be, he says, Ger I'm a foreigner and a local. Rashi explains this to mean, if you want, I'll be a foreigner who buys the land, but I can also be a local to whom the land actually belongs, because Hashem promised the land to my progeny. Hashem created Eretz Yisrael with the intention that it transfer into Jewish hands giving the land by divine will first to the non-Jew, was in order so that in its right time and in its destined way, each chalak, each portion of Eretz Yisrael would be transferred to the Jewish people in its right time and destined way. Until the time of Yeshua, when the greatest part of Eretz Yisrael would be conquered by the Jewish nation, there was a warning noted in Parshas Akib that if the nation tried to take Eretz Yisrael quicker, they would be set upon by the beasts of the fields. But the Maras Machpela had to be transferred to Avram, not through war or conquering, but with his purchase from Bnei Ches. Hence, Avraham says, I'll do this either as a gear and purchase it, or as a teshuv, and take it, because legally it will belong to my children. If Bnei Ches would fulfill the purpose for which Hashem gave them this land, the Ma'ar Samachpela, that the Ma'ar Samachpela stands on, which the purpose being to sell it to Avraham now for Sarah's burial, then Avraham is a foreigner and will purchase the land from them. In fact, expanding this idea, the entire purpose of the world is for the Torah, and this event too is for Torah. For from this purchase, from Avraham purchasing the Ma'ara Samach Pela, which was first in the hands of Bnei Ches, and thus requiring that Avraham buy it, we add a particular Torah lesson about how purchases should be made discussed in Mesechah's Kiddushin. But if they don't fulfill their purpose for holding this land by selling it to Avraham, Avraham will take this land legally because in fact their very right to have this land would no longer be viable. And all of this is directly connected to who Sarah was and what her life's service was. It is because of Sarah that Avram was able to do this. And the Pasuk implies this by telling us, Avram rose up from his dead, in other words, from his passing of Sarah, and went to speak to the children of Ches. The Pasuk creates a continuum by bringing the event of Sarah's passing and Avram speaking to Bnei Ches in one verse. The event of Yitzchak, the first Jew, and Rivka's marriage also depicts this reality, that the nations of the world exist to facilitate the Aveda of the Jewish nation and Sarah's awareness and connection to this Aveda. In the story of their marriage, we have the details of all the miracles that happened to Eliezer, and the repetition of these details, again, 
when he gives these details, shares them with Besuel and Lavan, which caused Besuel and Lavan then to realize that this was all from Hashem, and therefore to agree to the Shidduch. Again, highlighting that all the events, all the miracles, and Lavan and Besuel's very existence were for the needs of Avraham and Yitzchak, in other words, for the Jew. And when Besuel wanted to delay things and hold things up, he died immediately. He didn't fulfill the purpose of his existence. He existed only to be a Rivka, so she could marry Yitzchak. And when he denied this purpose, he simply became nullified out of existence. And in the third event, in the Parsha, when Yishmol is mentioned, it is not just that he is mentioned as Ben Ha'ama, the son of the maidservant, the servant of Sarah. His very existence is actually wrapped up in this reality. The very end of the Parsha, in Parakhafe chapter 25, we read regarding Ishmael the words, Alpnei kol echov nofo. He dwelt alongside all his kinsmen. Rashi comments on the usage of the word nofo, which also translates to mean fill, saying that before Avraham died, the Bnei Yishmol dwelt securely, but after Avraham passed, he fell, which can be understood in greater depth to mean that Yishmol's tshuva, recognizing that he was the son of the maidservant and not this heir of Avraham, came about because Avraham prayed, Lu Yishmol Yichya May Yishmol live before God, in other words, in fear of God. And so long as Avraham was alive, in him, in Yishmol, he lived with this prayer of Avraham. May Yishmol live with fear of you. He experienced his inner reality as a Ben Ha'ama, as the son of the maidservant, and his existence had a purpose. But Nofel, he fell, he ceased to exist when he was disconnected from Avraham with Avraham's passing. This idea that the existence of a non-Jew is for the Jew is unique to the life work of Sarah, and therefore it becomes the defining feature in the Parsha Chaye Sarah. Avraham is named so because he is the father of many nations, revered by many nations, beloved by many nations, the Gemara tells us. And because of his influence as an Av, a father, to many nations, he is connected to many nations. And because of this connection, the nations do not experience themselves as relevant only in service of the Jewish nation and otherwise is existentially null and void. But Sarah, whose influence is one of Shrara, rulership that is removed apart and above all, causes the nations to feel that the Jewish nation controls their existence, for they exist in service of Sarah and her progeny, the children of Yitzchak, the nation of Israel. Having said all of this, there seems still to be an issue in this discussion. While all the events of the Parsha reflect Sarah's service and influence, they did all take place after her passing. So the name Chaya Sarah, the lifetime of Sarah, just doesn't seem to fit these post-life events. 
for Chaya Sir, it would seem that the discussion should be about what she did for the 127 years of her life. But we can explain this by realizing that these very events and the nature of these events that indeed transpired after her passing were events that Sarah's life of 127 years in this world affected. Events that relay the reality that the entire existence of the world is for Yisrael. When Sarah lived and did her Aveda for 127 years, the message was concealed and was revealed particularly after her passing, much like when the soul of a Jew passes from this world to Ganadin and basks in the glow of the Shekhinah. That glow is not just some byproduct of Ganadin. It is the lifetime of Tyra and Mitzvahs that illuminates one's Ganadin. In fact, this revelation is the fulfillment and culmination of a person's life work. The events of the Parsha, therefore, are understandably the revelation of Sarah's divine service, the completion and fulfillment of 127 years of her lifetime, Shnei Chayi Sarah. Everything in Torah is a lesson, and the beginning of this Parsha and the end of this Parsha have a clear and contemporary message for us. When Bnei Yishmol argue, that the Ma'ar Samach Pela belongs to them as the sons of Avraham, this parsha presents a clear counter to that claim. In addition to the fact that the Arabs living in the nations around Israel and within Israel are not actually the descendants of Yishmol, Yishmol himself has no connection to, and certainly thus no claim to, the Ma'ar Samach Pela, which was purchased for the burial of Sarah, to whom they have absolutely no connection, and are heirs neither to Avram and certainly not to Sarah. And so the Ma'aras HaMachpelah belongs exclusively to the son of Avram and to Yitzchak's progeny and to Yaakov only. The other lesson we learn at the end of the Parsha, when Yishmol goes wild and comes with wild and unfounded claims, the Jew must not be impressed by this or fearful of him. He must just remind him of the truth, that he is only the son of the maidservant of Sarah, Hagar the Egyptian, who bore him to Avraham. And when he thinks he is an existence or an entity of existence, then his existence becomes obliterated. The Torah is believed to be divine by non-Jews as well. So when a Jew explains this clearly as it should be explained, to a non-Jew in the appropriate fashion, with no feeling of inferiority, but with absolute clarity, certainly to those who consider themselves B'nai Yishmol, the pressure on the Jewish people will be removed. For they, B'nai Yishmol, who consider themselves B'nai Yishmol, too will feel the benefit that when the Ma'ar Samach and all the boundaries of Eretz Yisrael are in the hands of the Jewish nation, and this benefit will be revealed before the eyes of all, even in the time of exile.